Hi everybody, this is Wanda and I just wanted to say welcome to this week's episode of Bible Briefs. I know you're here for the story, so let's get right into it. After God destroyed the Egyptian army in the Red Sea, Moses led the people through the desert. After three days of travel, they finally found some water, but it was bitter and undrinkable. And the people turned to Moses and complained, What are we going to drink? Then God showed Moses a piece of wood, and when Moses threw that piece of wood into the water, it became drinkable. And God told the people that if they would obey what he said and do what is right, then he would protect them from the diseases he'd sent on the Egyptians, because he was the Lord who healed them. But a month after leaving Egypt, the people started complaining again. Why didn't God just kill us back in Egypt where we had all we could eat, instead of bringing us out here to starve to death? But God displayed his glory in the pillar of cloud, then told Moses to tell them that he would send meat that night, and in the morning there would be bread. That night, a bunch of quail flew right into the camp, and in the morning there was a flaky substance covering the ground. The people didn't know what it was, but Moses told them it was the food God was giving them, and that God's instructions were to every morning gather two quarts of it per person in their home and not to keep any overnight. But on the sixth day of the week, they should gather twice as much and keep half of it overnight because the seventh day was the Sabbath, the holy day of rest, and none of the food would be there because they were to rest and not go out to collect it. But the people weren't so good at obeying. Some kept some food overnight when they shouldn't, and the next day it was rotten and maggoty, and some went out to collect it on the Sabbath instead of accepting God's gift of rest. The people called this food manna. They continued their journey and eventually camped at a place called Rephidim. And again, there was no water at the camp. The people again complained and accused Moses and God of trying to kill them, this time by thirst. But God told Moses he would stand in front of a rock and Moses was to strike that rock with his staff and water would come gushing out, which is what happened and the people had enough to drink. While they were still in that place, the Amalekites came to attack them. Moses appointed a young man named Joshua to gather some men and go out to fight them, while Moses, Aaron, and another guy named Hur went to the top of a hill overlooking the battlefield. It became apparent that as long as Moses held his staff out over the battle, Joshua was winning. But Moses' arms grew tired. So Aaron and Hur had Moses sit on a rock, and they took up position on each side of him to hold his arms up for him. And with the staff over them all day, Joshua won the battle. And because they deposed God and his people, God declared that he would be at war with the Amalekites through the generations and would wipe out even their memory. About this time, Moses' father-in-law also came to visit, bringing Moses' wife and sons with him. Moses told his father-in-law about everything God had done, and his father-in-law saw that Moses' God was greater than any other God and offered sacrifices to him. The next day, Moses' father-in-law saw Moses mediating all the people's disputes himself, and before returning home, he advised Moses to appoint some honest, unbribable men from among the people to judge the simpler disputes, and refer the more complex cases to him before Moses completely wore himself out. Moses followed this advice. About two months after leaving Egypt, they arrived at the foot of Mount Sinai. 
Moses climbed to the mountain to speak with God, and when he brought God's words back to the people, they said they'd do everything God had commanded. Then God told Moses to consecrate the people, have them wash their clothes, and mark off a boundary around the mountain, because in three days God would descend on the mountain and all of the people would hear him speak to Moses. On the morning of the third day, God descended on the mountain, hidden in a thick cloud, accompanied by thunder, lightning, earthquakes, and the sound of the ram's horn, and smoke billowed from the mountain. God had Moses warn the people again not to cross the boundary around the mountain. If they did, the presence of God would destroy them. Then God spoke to all the people and said, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Don't serve any other gods. Don't make any idols and don't bow down and worship them. For I am a jealous God who won't tolerate any rivals. Don't misuse my name, for I will surely punish those who misuse my name. Observe the Sabbath day as a holy day of rest. No one, not servants, not animals, not foreigners among you, may do any work on the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother, and you will live a long, full life in the land I am giving you. Don't murder. Don't cheat on your spouse. Don't steal, don't tell lies about your neighbor, and don't lust after anything that belongs to your neighbor, not his house, not his wife, not any of his people, animals, or possessions. When they heard this, the people were absolutely terrified and said to Moses, We'll listen to you. Don't let God speak directly to us or we'll die. And Moses approached the cloud where God was. And God begins to give Moses the laws that will define the nation of Israel, starting with just treatment for slaves, those who are injured accidentally, and property rights and compensation for loss of property. Don't oppress or take advantage of the poor or foreigners. Don't go along with evil or spread rumors or perjure or take bribes. Give the land a Sabbath rest every seventh year so it can renew itself. And if they would be careful to obey God and not serve other gods, he would be their enemy's enemy and drive the inhabitants out of the land he promised to give them. But if they made treaties with the inhabitants and allowed them to stay, they would end up sinning against God and get caught in idolatry. Moses repeated all these instructions to the people, and they all agreed to do everything God had commanded and to be his people. Moses went back up the mountain and was there 40 days and 40 nights, while God gave him very detailed instructions on the tent they were to make to be God's dwelling or tabernacle among them, all of its furnishings and special garments for the priests, and consecrating them for God's service by anointing them. God also gave instructions for three annual feasts the people must celebrate, and God gave Moses two stone tablets that had the terms of the covenant inscribed by the very finger of God on them. Meanwhile, the people back down in the camp only knew that Moses had been gone for over a month. And they came to Aaron and said, We don't know what's happened to Moses, so make us some gods who can lead us. Aaron has them bring their gold jewelry, and he melted it down and made a calf out of it. When the people saw the calf, they exclaimed, These are the gods that rescued us from Egypt. Aaron saw how the people were acting, so he built an altar in front of the calf and said that the next day would be a festival to God. But that festival quickly devolved into a drunken party. God was furious and told Moses he was going to destroy them and make Moses the founder of a new great nation. 
But Moses retorted, What about all your promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And why let the Egyptians say that you've rescued your people only to slaughter them? Turn from your anger and don't destroy your people. God relented, and Moses went down the mountain to the people. But Moses was also furious when he saw what was happening in the camp, so furious that he smashed the tablets God had given him. Then he ground the golden calf to dust, threw it in the water, and forced all the people to drink it. Moses confronted Aaron, who made the excuse, The people demanded a god. You know how evil they are. And when I threw their jewelry into the fire, out came that calf. So Moses stood at the entrance of the camp and called for everyone who was on God's side to join him. The Levites gathered around him, and he told them that God's command was to take their swords and kill those in the camp. They obeyed, and over 3,000 people died. Then Moses told them that by their obedience, they'd earned God's blessing and been chosen for God's service. The next day, Moses went back before God, seeking forgiveness for the people. And while God reaffirmed that he would give the people the land he promised, he also sent a plague upon the people for worshiping the golden calf. God had Moses make two new stone tablets to replace the ones he smashed, then had Moses come up the mountain again. And God descended on the mountain and announced himself to Moses, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, full of love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive rebellion and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. And I see the sins of parents affect their children three and four generations later. And God reiterated many of the commands he'd given Moses and inscribed the second set of tablets with the commandments he'd spoken to all the people. Moses was again on the mountain with God for 40 days and 40 nights. And when he descended back to the Israelite camp, his face was glowing and the people were afraid to come near him. So Moses started wearing a veil over his face that he only removed when he went into the tent where he met with the Lord. They stayed camped at Mount Sinai for about a year. During that time, God gave them laws and instructions for every area of life and community. The various offerings to be offered daily, monthly, on special holidays, and what days those were, and which offerings to give in various circumstances. Rules about clothing, what animals could be used for food and sacrifices, bodily discharges and diseases, and how to make sure people were clean again and safe to return to the camp treating mildew on contaminated fabrics or in homes, who you are allowed to have sex with, people of the opposite sex that you're married to and not any family members, a regular cycle of rest for the land, and restoring every family's inheritance, and many other things. And God was very serious about his law. The worst crimes, including child sacrifice, worshiping other gods, trying to consult the spirits of the dead for people, many sexual offenses, including adultery and incest, blasphemy, and working on the Sabbath were all punished with the death penalty. But for most cases of injury, the rule God laid down was that they were to pay eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and life for life. There was also the matter of building God's tent, the tabernacle. While they were camped at Sinai, the people donated everything necessary for the tabernacle and made it according to the instructions God gave Moses. They also made the following furnishings for the tabernacle as God had commanded. The Ark of the Covenant, a sacred wooden chest about four feet by two feet by two feet, 
overlaid with gold, into which was placed the two stone tablets with God's writing on them and a pot of manna, a table overlaid with gold, a lampstand and its accessories made from 75 pounds of pure hammered gold, an altar for burning incense, but only incense made according to a special recipe God gave them and commanded them to use for him alone, and a curtain to divide the tabernacle into the holy place and the most holy place where the ark would be kept. Only the high priest could enter the most holy place and only once a year to make atonement for the people. For the courtyard of the tabernacle, they made a wash basin and a large altar for burnt offerings out of bronze. Special clothing was also made for the priests. When all was completed, Moses set up the tabernacle, consecrated it to God's service, and anointed Aaron as the first high priest and his sons as priests under him. Then the cloud of God's presence covered the tabernacle, and God's glory filled it so that even Moses couldn't enter anymore. When the cloud started moving again, the people followed. But it didn't take too long before the people started complaining again. We want meat like the fish we used to get in Egypt, and we had all kinds of veggies to go with it. We're so sick of this manna, we're not hungry for it at all. God was angry, and Moses had had it and complained to God, What did I do to get stuck with these people? I can't keep doing this on my own. It's too much. Where am I going to get meat for all these people whining and demanding, give us meat? If this is what I have to look forward to, then just kill me now and spare me the misery. God told Moses to gather 70 of the leaders and bring them to the tabernacle so that God could put a part of the spirit that he'd put on Moses on them as well, and they could help share the load. And he told Moses to tell the people that they were going to have meat, not just for a day or a week, but they were going to eat meat for a month until they were sick of it. And God sent a wind that blew quail in from the sea until there were quail for miles in every direction. So many quail that everyone caught at least 50 bushels of them. And while they gorged themselves on the meat, God's anger blazed and he sent a plague on the people. A bit later, Miriam and Aaron got jealous of their little brother Moses and started griping. And the outcome of that was that Miriam had leprosy and was banished from camp for a week. Finally, they reached the borders of the land God promised them. And Moses chose 12 men, one from each tribe, to scout out the land and see what it was like. When the scouts returned, they told the people that, yes, it was indeed a good land, But the people living there now were stronger than the Israelites, and the cities were fortified, and they even saw giants there. And ten out of twelve scouts convinced the people that there was no chance they'd ever take the land. So the people rebelled again and said, It would have been better to die in Egypt or here in this wilderness than to have God bring us here only to be slaughtered in battle. Wouldn't it be better to go back to Egypt? Joshua and Caleb, the other two scouts who believed God would give them the land, tried to convince the people that if God was with them, then it was the people living in the land who had no chance against God. But that only made the people angry enough to stone them. Then God's presence came down on the tabernacle again, and he was ready to kill the people and start over with the few who believed. But Moses interceded for them, and God agreed to pardon their rebellion once again. But because even after all the miracles and signs they'd seen, they didn't believe, God was leading them back to the wilderness, and they were going to wander there 
for 40 years until all the adults except Caleb and Joshua had died. Then God would bring their children into the land he'd promised. Well, the next morning, the people had a change of heart, and they were ready to go take the land God promised them. Moses told them they were disobeying God yet again, and they wouldn't succeed. But they went on anyway and got their butts kicked by the people living in that land and had to turn back and wander in the wilderness, as God said. And you can probably guess how that went. At one time, a trio of leaders stirred up rebellion against Moses, and God opened the ground to swallow them in their tents. The very next morning, the people were complaining again, and God sent a plague that killed 14,700 of them. They camped where there was no water, and God told Moses to take his staff and speak to one of the rocks, and the rock would release enough water for everyone. But when Moses had assembled the people there, he lashed out at them in frustration, saying, Must we bring you water from this rock? And struck the rock twice. Water gushed out, but Moses and Aaron had not obeyed what God said, and he told them they also were not going to enter the promised land, but would die in the wilderness. Aaron died on Mount Hor on the borders of Edom. Shortly after that, while traveling around Edom, because the Edomites had refused them passage, the people started complaining again, and God sent poisonous snakes among them, and many were bitten and died. The people asked Moses to pray God would take the snakes away, but God had Moses make a snake sculpture of bronze and place it on a pole. If anyone who was bitten looked at the bronze snake, they would be healed. They continued to journey through lands inhabited by other people, and a couple kings, when they sent messengers to ask for permission to travel through and promise to pay for anything they needed, thought it was a good idea to send an army out to attack them. Those kings were wiped out, and the Israelites occupied their lands. Then they started traveling across Moab, and having seen what happened to those other kings, King Balak of Moab decided he'd need to get some supernatural help to defeat these people. So he sent messengers to hire Balaam, because the people Balaam blessed really got blessings, and the people he cursed really were cursed. Balaam went, despite a talking donkey and several warnings from God, to be careful to say only what God commanded, because God himself had blessed the Israelites. And when the king took Balaam out to curse the people, all he could do was bless them. Three times the king tried to get Balaam to curse the people, but it always came out as a blessing. At the end of their wanderings, God gave instructions to the people about splitting up the promised land among the families and tribes as they were camped across the Jordan River from the promised land. And Moses spoke to the people at length, reviewing their journey, God's commands, and giving them some instructions for what God had said to do when they entered the land. And he reminded them that if they obeyed God's commands, they would be blessed. But if they refused to heed God's commands and rebelled against him, then curses would follow. If they wouldn't serve God, they would serve their enemies. They would be exiled from the land, and distant nations would come and lay siege to them, causing unimaginable hardship and horror. God was giving them a choice, life or death, prosperity or disaster, blessing or cursing. And God had wanted them to choose life so that they would live. Choosing life was simply choosing to love and obey God and being fully committed to him. Then God told Moses that he was about to die and Joshua would be taking his place as leader of Israel. God gave Moses one final message for the people. 
a song about God's power in their weakness and rebellion. Moses then blessed the people and climbed up Mount Nebo, where God showed him a view of the whole land he'd promised to his people. And there, at 120 years old, Moses died, and God buried him in a valley so no one knew the exact place of his grave. The people mourned Moses for a month, then prepared to follow Joshua into the land God had promised them. Now that the story's over, it's time for our processing questions. So, here are our processing questions. Feel free to think through them yourself, or if you're listening to this with a group, pause the audio and talk amongst yourselves about these. What did you like about this story? What did you not like or find confusing and uncomfortable in this story? What did you learn about God from this story? What did you learn about people from this story? And what does God want you to do in light of this story? There's just one last thing before you go, and that is if you are enjoying this series and you find it beneficial, I'd really appreciate it if you would like, subscribe, and share this with your friends. And I will catch you on the next episode of Bible Briefs.